Hello everybody, Jordan here, the PH is silent, and in this episode we talk about psionics, the magic of the mind, and its place in Dungeons and Dragons, uh, especially 5th edition with uh, the new Unearthed Arcana that's come out about all of the psionic abilities and classes that seem to be uh, there. So it's going to be a really interesting book in November that Wizards of the Coast releases whenever uh, they get around to telling us about that. So enjoy this episode. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Saturday Morning D&D Show. My name is Jordan with a silent PH in the middle, and I am joined always by uh, my wonderful co-host, Sir Lucian, over at Sir Lucian Gaming. Say hello, sir. Hello, everybody. Welcome to a Saturday morning. Uh, I had snow yesterday, which was crazy. There you go. April uh, but it's snow finally sunshine showers, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> April snow showers, yeah. But I'm ready for some D and D. Man, I played a bunch. I think That's we awesome. Played a bunch. Yeah, so. and uh, online stuff, which has been really cool. Although yeah. uh, one of my one of my groups is having a D and D speakeasy where we're all secretly <laughs> gathering, and we shouldn't be, but uh, it's breaking fun. the rules. Um, breaking the rules. Very, very, yeah. So breaking a little bit of rules, but it's it's fun. It's good times. Um, Today, there was, well, this week, there was uh, yeah. some big news coming out. Uh, I saw a little hint of a few things here and there. Um, I knew about this book, this Exploring okay. Eberron book, but I wasn't really aware that it was on, that it was coming out, like, soonish, I guess. But mm -hmm. uh, what's what's going on? Uh, Keith Baker's working on an Eberron book that's going to be print-on-demand, I think? Or, yeah, or PDF from, and you'll be able to get it from the DMs Guild, and it's definitely another deep dive into more exploring Eberron stuff. I just noticed it was a tweet that they said it's getting close, but they didn't give a date yet, so oh, I still okay. don't know when it's possibly coming out. But I know you're a big Eberron fan, yeah. and um, we like Keith Baker's world. We've talked about his world. Um, it's an integral part of Dungeons & Dragons these days, and if he's going to put out another big book, it's just really cool that he's supporting that a lot. Like, I don't know if we'll get, like the Matt Mercer will put out additional books for Wildmount. Oh yeah. Those kind of feel more one-off and they feel like a tie into D&D, but then, you know, I can go back to doing my own thing. I don't know if he's going to have, we're going to get a book a year from Matt Mercer on his world, but Keith puts out several books a year for his world. So he, he is does. full into supporting his world and adding more to it and imagining more for dungeon masters to take in and run in their games if they want to play in his world or even steal pieces and put it in their game. So he is a prolific creator of fantasy world Eberron. Um, I just think it's cool just to see. I don't know when it's coming out, but do you think this is something that you would pick up? Um, do you have the other Eberron book sets so far? Um, I have uh, the you Wayfinder's the Guide to Eberron um, that came out a long time ago. Yeah. Uh, and then a lot of that information was just put into um, Rising from the Last War. Um, and I do have uh, 3.5 PDFs that I bought um, because I was doing those Eberron um, videos. videos. And, and those yeah. still hold up. Like you can use the lore, you can use the locations and the places and reskin a couple monsters and NPCs and stuff. Um, mm -hmm. But no, I, uh, but speaking of, of Keith Baker, like he's very... Uh, he's very tied to this world, which is interesting because it is owned by, uh, and it's kind of like the Forgotten Realms in a way where 
uh, Ed, Ed Greenwood, Greenwood still yeah. like people tweet at him questions and he's like, oh no, like, and he'll give you very detailed answers. Like this NPC in this town, he only works on uh, Tuesdays and he takes every month of blah, blah, blah off. Uh, mm -hmm. And he just, he knows those things. Uh, and Keith Baker is also very entwined in uh, Eberron and wants, uh, and I think we've talked about this before, there's the canon with a K, the Keith Baker canon with a K, yeah. where other writers have defined Eberron, but he has come in and been like, you know, that those are in the books and that's canon. But like, if you're asking me personally, I always envisioned this like this. And so there are those like purists out there that really enjoy his stuff. Um, I mean, I love Eberron. I think it's really cool. <laughs> Going back to your Matt Mercer idea, uh, Keith Baker's not running a weekly, extremely popular game uh, set in Eberron. So True. I think he has more free time and more leniency to kind of <laughs> work on this on the side and, and things like that. But uh, yeah. no, it's it's interesting. And I, I like the DMs Guild. Uh, it's, I, I almost wish that this was a book that he was publishing and I don't know why. Mm -hmm. I think I feel that way because it feels more authentic uh, in a way. Like it would be like if Monty Cook were to start publishing DMs Guild stuff. And I'm mm -hmm. like, well, but you're Monty Cook, you could like publish your own thing. And that's kind of how I feel about Keith Baker. But uh, at the same same time, uh, to get it print on demand is kind of cool. And those yeah. books are fairly decent. I have a lot of print on demand stuff from DriveThruRPG, uh, i.e. the DMs Guild. So, yeah. Yeah, so pretty cool. I don't know exactly what will be in the book that we haven't seen yet. I haven't really seen uh, excerpts from it, but he does write a lot of stuff. He writes mm -hmm. a lot of articles on a weekly, almost monthly basis at least. Um, I've seen lots of uh, stuff that he keeps posting to his website about more things and uh, more interaction with cultures and different races and different cities or different places or different things. And people often ask him questions about, well, how does gunpowder work or how does, yeah. you know, they'll just pick some abstract thing. And he's like, he has a thought about, well, is there moons? How many moons are there? Do people go to the moons? You know, yeah. here's, you know, Keith Baker's idea on it. And just like you said, and I think it's, I don't even know if he's running a huge campaign. We never hear about Keith Baker. He's running a campaign and that's why he's creating all this stuff. I almost right. feel like he's creating a world, whether he's running anybody in it or not, he is just full into this uh, creation mode of this entire encompassing D and D world, probably a universe in his mind Though we've talked about how wizards of the coast wants to make it a world within their multiverse yeah. versus he wants it to be, or we've heard that in the past, he wants it to be its own multiverse. It's not part of anybody. Yeah, else's no, universe. he really, he just like, yeah. it doesn't, it doesn't need to be part of, you know, uh, Spelljammer and the planes and all this other stuff. Like he really thinks it's like, it should, I don't know, you, you, you're using yeah. that rule set, but it's not tied together. And uh, kind of goes back to what we were talking about last week with Final Fantasy and how, mm -hmm you immediately put these things together because every Final Fantasy game, although very different worlds, very different whatever, some of them have different physics and things like that, there's still that like, I cast a fire spell and a white mage has healing magic and things like that. And so, you know, I, I see why people want to put it all together, especially Wizards of the Coast, because they want to be able to, you know, we're gonna slide in Magic the Gathering and we're gonna <laughs> do this, it's gonna be really cool. Uh, but I, I actually respect Keith Baker for, for sticking with that and just being like, this is how I have always pictured it. This doesn't, you don't wanna go to Faerun, you don't wanna go to uh, Dark Sun, it's, mm -hmm. it's, this is Eberron. 
Um, yeah. And I don't know, but so uh, I'm not sure what's in this book either. I was kind of reading the back panel on this picture that I found um, and it looks like it might have an adventure and then just more information about uh, the world below um, mm -hmm. Kyber and uh, the oceans around Eberron and things like that. So uh, he's just fleshing out the world a little bit more. Yeah, fill more um, detail so, in. That's cool. Yeah. And it, it's a companion. It says right here, like it's a companion to Eberron Rising from the Last War. So if you enjoyed that book, if you're running an Eberron game, if you plan to, it could be uh, a good pickup for you. So yeah. yeah. And no matter what you think of Keith Baker's, whether you plan it or not, it's just a huge feat for somebody to have thought about their world that they've created in such detail. Like mm -hmm. all the races are explained, all the different cultures. There's big wide swaths of history. There's how are the gods handled? How are, yeah. like you said, oceans and underground and, and what is all going on? I mean, he's really just dove into this thing. It wasn't just, I built a town because I needed to run a, an adventure for my guys and maybe I have a few more details around it. It's like full on world building he's yeah. been doing for years and years and years so it's an impressive feat <laughs> to be and able to it's do all different that. um as much yeah. as like uh matt mercer is a great person and stuff i really feel like wild mountain taldry are uh, a, a revised version of generic <laughs> fantasy setting um and eberron just felt really different like i liked that they were you know like engineering magic in a weird yeah, way. yeah yeah i would know? say wild mount in Taldori feel closer to Forgotten Realms than it does to Eberron. Yeah. Or like a Dark Sun or a, yeah, yeah. I definitely think it leans more that way for sure. But it's cool that people are, we're getting more worlds. We're seven, mm -hmm. six years, seven years in, eight years in of D&D at this point. Who knows anymore? I'm quarantined and I don't know how long I've been here. <laughs> this could be 2025 at this point <laughs> and I wouldn't know. Um, well, and when cool. the new Magic the Gathering book comes out, that's going to be a fun, new, interesting yeah. world too with its Greek setting and stuff like that. So we're, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, you, all, all styles of play, I guess, um, is mm -hmm. the idea that... If anything, these campaign settings show you that you can play D&D &D in a different way and it's still mm -hmm. fun D&D, &D, you know? Uh, like, we'll get into this later, but I, I'm playing this weird and wild game is, is the supplement we're using. It's a generic supplement. But um, the, the DM very much wanted us to have zero to little magic. And it's mm -hmm. been a com not a completely different game, but like we're all fighters and... And, or not all fighters, we're all melee kind of strength, strength characters. And so we built characters very much like, um, uh, your mouse is flying around your face or is there a moth? I don't know. I don't know. Am I doing this? Can you see my mouse? Oh, you can. That's weird. All right, Zoom's, zoom's done. I don't sorry. see a mouse. I don't uh, see a mouse. Yeah, there's a mouse on my <laughs> camera. I'm sorry. I'll have to fix that later. But, um... <laughs> Uh, oh, this Dark Souls game. Uh, and we didn't think about building, you know, like a barbarian that has a high intelligence because you're trying to like, this is how barbarians are effective. And now it's coming to light that we're like, oh, we're not good at investigation checks. And like nobody is mm -hmm. because we would always have the wizard or we're not good at charisma checks or we're not good at this. And uh, it's kind of, I don't know, it's, it's a different mode of play. We're like, yeah, we can beat stuff up, but like, understanding something eh, not the best so yeah yeah <laughs> that's funny so that, that's cool uh some other news that's been kind of coming out our ways we did have a couple of videos from the D, &D uh channel so they've been at home uh filming different things here and there there was a really good uh dragon plus 
uh, video because it referenced what we saw just earlier this week, the new UA article on psionics. Mm -hmm. So what'd you think of that reading through um, some of the kind of things that they've done, things that they've decided not to do from the old psionics UAs we've seen and then the, the change to moving to this new one? Um, I, well, I want to talk about the mystic cause they were basically yeah. like, we're just getting rid of the mystic. And that yeah. was interesting to me. Sorry. I'm trying to figure out this mouse issue. Um, okay. so I'm not like freaking people out, but, uh, no, um, the, the mystic and I only remember the mystic from, um, running you and Elise D and D and indoor mm -hmm. adventure and LB who else was there? Maybe, maybe Greybeard. Greybeard, maybe? I don't depends remember. What, yeah, it depends what adventure you're talking about. Dragon, the, Dragon on the Mount, yeah. Yeah, um, and Greybeard was there. The Mystic had just came out, and Elise wanted to play it, and so we let her yeah. play it. Uh, and it was, uh, I, I remember it feeling a little overpowered, but they were also only level four, so I'm like, I don't know. Like, And it's playtest material, like whatever. But... Um, Though you almost killed her with the Ropers. So. I did, yeah. Well, you know, there you go. <laughs> um, but... It's it's weird for me that, that they're just like, we're just abandoning that goodbye um, because they put all this work and stuff into it. And I don't know. Uh, I, I definitely kind of want to make a video uh, because I wanted to go back and look at the mystic and then look at the new stuff and see how they like might affect one another or synergize. Mm -hmm. But it looks like psionics is going to be just subclasses. Um, is that subclasses and feats and things like that. So you can be like a fighter that uh, has this psionic power and then your subclass or through specific feats, you can say that this is how you have that. Uh, I, I thought it was kind of interesting that we're not getting a psionic class so much as you can be a psionic wizard and reflavor your spells like this, or you can be a psionic knight and then get abilities that are spell-like, but the power comes from within, which I assume things like anti-magic fields, you still be able to use your, your psionic powers, but. Yeah, so you absolutely want to mark down to watch this Dragon Plus video that they just put out because oh, Jeremy okay. Crawford goes into deeply their thought process of where they were with the mystic, why they were thinking about changes, where they wanted to move it to. Then they tried the psionic wizard, the feedback they got from that and how they pivoted after they looked at the feedback from that to what he decided to try to design now, which is this uh, more modular, more open psionics that could be for any character mm -hmm. and to closely replicate more of what psionics was in the earlier editions. And he talks about some of the earlier editions of psionics. So if you wanna know their thought process from where they started to where they're at now, that video really talks about a Dragon Plus with him and Bart Carroll and they, they dive deep into it, which is really cool. That's cool. Um, I won't try to paraphrase it for everybody for Jeremy, but he has, they have really good design reasons and goals that they were trying to meet, which may, meant they wanted to make changes from some of the stuff they had released before mm -hmm. and move it, move it to what it looks like now. And it still doesn't sound like this is the final version of what everything is, but they're, they're exploring these options based on the feedback they had been getting um, and trying to make it not just, I think the one term in there that he used was we don't just want to create abilities that are magic abilities with just a sci-fi word in them or a yeah. sci-fi theme. He says he wanted them to be something different 
truly different mm -hmm. and still give you the feel of the psionics from the earlier editions and what they think psionics really is at this point. Yeah. So that that's what we're seeing in some of this stuff, which is pretty cool. So I thought it was interesting. I mean, we, uh, one of our characters pivoted just last, uh, this past week and, uh, and created the soul knife character mm -hmm. and is playing a soul knife in our campaign because they were, once they saw it, they were excited about it. When I saw the, the, uh, the psychic knight and the, uh, the soul knife and, and the, um, the other one is the soul something, the sorcerer soul something. All of them immediately made me think of different cool characters I could make using those as you know the the base starting point to say oh I can make this kind of character that does this. And this, mm -hmm. and this. So I really uh, I liked it. I like the idea that there are feats that you can get so that if maybe you like the character you have, but it makes sense that they somehow at some point during their adventure they come in contact with something that gives them this mind yes, power that. or they develop it through rigorous training in some way it's gifted to them somehow um by yeah who knows they touch a rock that fell from the sky and all of a sudden they have it or mm -hmm. something like that i like that idea that it could be introduced i hope it's not something that every character grabs because it's so good, you have to have it in your build. Like, you know how feats sometimes get where everybody wants that same feat because it's so good, you have to have it in your character build. It's, right, right. You know, it gives you it gives you four attacks per round, that feat. Oh, well, everybody needs that. You know, so I hope it doesn't get to be where everybody has a psionic feat in the party. But I like the idea that there are options that some of the characters could have. It, so, Yeah, um, and... For those of you who didn't read it, the Psy, every Psy class is going to get these um, uh, psionic dice, I guess. Um, or did I not read that correctly? I don't remember. Like the rogues get- That's the one they're in now is, a, is there's a dice associated with it. And there's a- there's Yeah, a psionic talent die. So yeah. as you, uh, you, you, it starts out at like a D4 or a D6 or something. Um, no, a D6. And if you roll, when you, when you want to do something psionically, you would roll this die. And so, for instance, uh, the uh, psionic knight for the fighter has a psionic-powered leap. And you roll this die and a d6, and it's mm -hmm. it, let's say it hits a five. Uh, you double that, and then you can jump an extra 10 feet using your psionic powers. And I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. That mm -hmm. die goes up and down the chain, the dice chain. If you roll a one on your d6, your next psionic die that you roll is a D4. Yeah. But if you roll a six, the next time you use it, it's a D8. So they're kind of exploding uh, a in a way, like you, you, you explode up the dice chain and it's also more difficult, uh, you know, statistically to get to the next tier. So really easy with a D4 to get to a D6. And then mm -hmm. it's a little easier to get to a D8, but then a little difficult to get to a D10, 12, and I don't know if it goes to 20. I'm assuming it kind of does, but. Uh, the highest one. Yeah, I don't know how far it goes up. I know a D12 is listed in the stat yeah. blocks, but I don't know how how much farther it goes after that. But it is an interesting. It's a new mechanic that we haven't really yeah. seen. And I like that. Which is cool. uh, it's kind of fun. Um, so, yeah, you have the soul knife and the Psy thing. And uh, it was cool. I've never been a big psionic fan, though. Like there are those people that really just want psionics and like, I want to mm -hmm. be like a mind bender person. And I was just like, I don't know. That's why we have magic, right? I want to be a wizard. Yeah. Like, cause I can do everything the psionic person wants to do and yeah. I can open a portal to the plane of like fog. I don't know. 
But well, the the thing that I thought I think make them cool in my mind, at least the version in my head of what psionics is, is mm-hmm. the old style. It was because when you're going through character generation, <clears throat> there's that one point at the end of character generation, you roll on a D100 if you had psionics. And if you rolled like the just the zero, zero, the 99, it was like a really small percentage then you had it. And so most of the characters you were making never had it. And there was the one time I made the role. Nice. And my character was going to have it. And it was just because it was something special that wasn't always happening. You couldn't choose to play it. You couldn't just ask gotcha. your DM if I could play it. It was if you rolled it during character creation, you could do this one thing. And I think there was something special about, about that. Um, and I think that's why I like it, even though you're right. I mean, I can do all the same stuff with magic. I can do all the same cool things, just flavor it however I want. I can I can flavor all of my magical stuff as being mind-like powers instead yeah. of, you know, a uh, uh, firebolt. It's just a mind bolt of some sort or whatever. And I have um, with <clears throat> my Eldritch Knight uh, Warforged fighter, a lot mm-hmm. of his, quote, spells are... You know, like he fires a rocket out of his arm or he's got like a chain lightning whip for lightning lure. And mm-hmm. and I, I reflavored it because I thought that was that was fun. Yeah. You know? And so mechanically, it all fits. Yeah. GM's on board with how it fits in the in the RP and it sounds cool. And mm-hmm. yeah, I just love the whole idea of of that, too. So I see the, the, the standpoint from those that have said, well, do we really need it because we can just flavor it how we want? I also like the idea of all the people that we always want more stuff to play yeah. with, right? We always want more toys. So there's that group. Um, so I think it's interesting. And I think they, we had psionics, so it feels weird that we don't anymore. You mm-hmm. know, at some point we've That's had true. it. Why not still have it? Is there a reason it's been left out for so long? And, and Jeremy even talks about that. It's not really been left out of 5e. Uh, psionics has been with us from the very first words of Dungeons and Dragons 5e, not the first words, uh, but the creatures have had them. Mind flayers have still been able to do it. The Duragar dwarves still have psionic powers. Mm-hmm. Um, there's creatures that have the psionic powers in their stat blocks. We just haven't had the character options of psionic powers. Yeah. But it's in the 5e world. It's in Forgotten Realms. Mm-hmm. It is a thing. So um, it's interesting. It's, you know, and so there were spells too that um, were at the end of that uh, UA article. So some new spells that are all psionic themed. Mind Sliver, uh, Intellect Fortress, these ones that we've heard before, Mind Thrust, all these kind of cool things. Telekinetics, uh, you know, tele- uh, telepathy. There's lots of telepathy in the in the game these days, but there wasn't before. I think with the Warlock getting added in, we got a lot more of that aberrant mind kind of stuff going yeah. on and people could be able to talk to each other and more of that seeped in. But um, this used to be what, how that filled that stuff. The only way you could talk to someone else like that. So yeah. it's very interesting. Now, in that Dragon Plus article, not only did they talk about this UA, but he also touches base on the previous UA, which was the magical tattoos and um, the other stuff. And you know what I didn't realize in the magical tattoo one? Did you realize those are magic items? Yeah. You oh, have I, to I missed to them, that whole you? line. Yeah. Yeah. You it's just like a magic item them. that can't be stolen from you or something, I thought. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, or you can have um, the attunement is you can have two or three tattoos and they only count for one attunement the way it's written at the moment so that was one thing that's been people have hmm. been asking about and wondering but i thought i i thought the tattoos were spells or class features i read through it i skimmed through it very quickly i didn't even realize they were wondrous items that you find in the world and then it would attach to a character so i thought oh that that adds in a whole new 
um, kind of dynamic of how you could add something like that to your campaign. So I no, I like the idea that I have to go find like this magical gem and then I have to refine it into a powder, mix that mm -hmm. with like unicorn saliva and then use that to get my tattoo or something. Yeah, um, and like, the one thing yeah. he was talking about was tattoo is he said when they made the one of them, the idea was is that they're not supposed to be common, but if you were to find another one, how you could describe how the two tattoos are two separate images, but because they begin to fuse together into one seamless image, just like we do with tattoo artists these days. Mm -hmm. He was talking about where people go get tattoos and maybe the first one is a cool frog. And then the next one they get is, I don't know, they're big into lily pads, but now they're thinking about their third one and it's a joining of the two that makes it more of a scene on a pond and it's the the princess kissing the frog or whatever, you know, wherever you want to go with it. As people get tattoos, they, their mind continues to think about, well, what's the next tattoo I want to get or what's the next cool piece of art that I would like to put on on my skin. And he wanted to represent that in the rules if we wanted to. So it was taking almost like a modern look at tattoos and saying, hmm. if somebody wanted to do that with their character, how could we help them do that? And here's here's some UA rules that we could look at to see maybe do something with that. So, and again, another cool conversation where Jeremy Crawford talks about the whys of what they were doing, where it came from, what was the philosophy behind the design. Mm. And I, I recommend anybody that's looking at these, not just to read those words and then come up with your own idea of what's going on, Go listen to what they're saying and then go back and read it so that you have really good context of, of what they're doing and what they're trying to do. So very cool. A couple of UA articles. Yeah. Um, Man, that uh, Soul Knife Rogue, though, I really want to build a Psylocke from X-Men. Everybody does. Yeah. Everybody loves Psylocke. I love Psylocke so much. So you know funny. that game I've been playing, you see me, I'm playing on Steam all the time, is that uh, Marvel... Um, game that is is like the uh, candy crush kind of style but it's all marvel characters oh okay my main character is psylocke nice. that, because she's so good at, at doing on the ability i'm like yes psylocke <laughs> i love the x-men so much so <sighs> so that was a little bit more of our um uh ua article stuff you can find the dragon plus with him uh bart carroll and jeremy crawford mm -hmm. um there is a lore you should know for nautiloids yeah they, mr perkins yeah i i watched that one because i was curious yeah. and they kind of just talk about the history of nautiloids and Spelljammer and things like that and their capabilities and how uh they were allowed uh they being the people that are making baldur's gate 3 allowed to expand on that mythology mm -hmm. um so they're just like well no we're gonna say that they can like have brain pools and teleport and and maybe the tentacles like grab people uh psionically um so yeah. yeah actually now that we have like mind flares and stuff in Baldur's gate 3 i wonder if the psionic push is to have a uh the counter to that well like a a, a joint release you know yeah. like Baldur's well, gate 3 has all this stuff and we're gonna also allow you to have you know things like that in your game so yeah that'd be great why isn't that there a mind flare race option has there ever been in D&D? There's such an iconic monster. I They're feel so like like though. I should be like able to be a half mind flare or something. Yeah. You could you could probably put a tadpole in your brain, I'm sure. That's weird. Okay. <laughs> I like this idea. Anyway, uh there was uh so yeah, you can check out the Nautiloid video. It was it was mm -hmm. okay. Um and uh what else do we want to talk about? <laughs> I, did you notice when you went back, if you go, if you pull up um, the Dragon Plus video or even the video I posted in our notes there, 
have you noticed this feature on YouTube? I've never noticed this. In the timeline of the latest D&D videos, there are little segments along the timeline that are identified as what they're talking about. And you can scroll through that and find exactly what you want to listen to for a certain part. So if oh, you want little timestamps? You would think they're timestamps, but they're they're more visual. Like, uh, have you pulled the video up? No. You I don't want the video to play. And you take a look at it. It's yeah, oh, that's true. It'll play. No, don't do that. <laughs> yeah, if you just look at the... Um, um, the, the, the timeline, it's really different. I hadn't seen this on a video before and I thought maybe this would be something you'd like to add to your videos as you're going through, especially your ones where you're, you know, yeah. you're teaching things and you could put little segments and say, this is about this faction. This is about this. Faction. Oh, so while they're editing it, there's like they, a pop-up. They must okay. be. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. So check it out. I thought it'd be cool. Take a look at it. Um, the reason I want to bring it up on today's show is because many of us uh, only have so much time. So if more people start doing this on their videos and you notice on the D&D videos, especially like when you look at Greg Tito's D&D news, because he's got a lot of stuff in there that you're like, OK, I don't care about this. I don't care about this. Oh, this is the piece that I really want to know about. Uh -huh. It's easy to maneuver in that video now to get to the spot that you want. So keep an eye out for that. Cool. Other than that, um, I noticed you had a little bit of news. Yeah, it's uh, it's Cyclops Con, mm -hmm. uh, Dungeon Crawl Classics. Uh, the the people that made it, uh, Goodman Games. Uh, I think they, I don't know if they're just like we want to get on this streaming bandwagon because they're finally realizing that a lot of people stream RPGs. <laughs> but uh, they had a, they are currently having an online convention. Uh, called Cyclops Con, and they're gonna play a whole bunch of different Dungeon Crawl Classics games. Uh, obviously, system I really love. Um, so if you're interested in that, if you wanna like see how DCC is played, which I always think is, I mean, I'm personally very curious too, because I've only, like I learned D&D through podcasts, and I learned Dungeon Crawl Classics through reading the books. And those are very different mm -hmm. ways to learn. Like it's different mm -hmm. to learn baseball from a rule book as opposed to watching baseball, you know? Yeah. So uh, I think it's really cool. There, there's uh, twitch.tv slash Goodman Games Official. Um, and, or if you just search CyclopsCon, um, there's all kinds of, anyway, yeah. Uh, and a friend of the show, friend of mine, who's in Rod of Seven Parts, Lex Mandrake, is going mm -hmm. to run a custom one shot that I helped write. Uh, with him and it's all gonzo and funny um i snuck in uh the infinity gauntlet into that game sure. so you should pro it should be a lot of fun if you yeah, shouldn't really miss excited. it I'm really excited <laughs> uh that's gonna be 7 p.m eastern on twitch somewhere i i don't it might be on lex's channel it might be on nerd immersions or it might be uh on goodman games official i'm not really sure on but, certain uh, days what huh? day what today day? Today. 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 Uh, 7 p.m. Eastern. Um, so follow me on Twitter if you're interested in watching that. I think I'm going to try and watch it, at least the first little bit. Uh, but uh, Lex is running that, and it, it's it's just going to be gonzo and funny. Uh, and I am uh, I love Dungeon Crawl Classics, so he's really That's excited. That's what I love about it. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, yeah. yeah. I love the humor. So. I love the dark humor. I love when people lean into it. When me and you got to play a little bit of it um, at the different conventions where we finally get somebody to, to run it for us. Yeah. Um, like I, James. James yeah. is just so good about running Gonzo funny kind of. Oh, yeah. That's wonderful. MCC stuff. It's just so good. So, um, awesome. so that's cool. I unfortunately was, uh, I, I didn't sign up for Cyclops Con. I think the tickets were like $5. And then you could like buy spots into games, much like Gen Con. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I full. just had a full weekend. It wasn't going to happen. Mm-hmm. So, but I'm excited to watch things them. open now. Um, like well, Lex actually was like, Hey, I bought, I bought tickets to these two games. If you want to play a game with me, you should buy a ticket for that. And I'm like, Oh, I should. And then I went and looked and they were both sold out. And so I was like, uh, I can't get a ticket to the game that you're in. Sorry. So yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, keep an eye out for all those online conventions. Cause I think a lot of them are going on yeah. and we will definitely tell you guys here, we're keeping a, a hawk's eye on Gen Con, which is the convention we want to go to, but we haven't heard anything yet, but it, once we do hear things, we'll definitely let everybody know. Um, what about uh, Saturday morning D&D show con? Well, let's <laughs> do it. Starting in one hour. We'll have an online <laughs> convention. Me and you will run 24 hours of games <laughs> in six-hour sessions. So six hours on, six hours off. It'll be great. Yeah, that'd be fun. I'm ready. Okay. I just stayed up till two in the morning last yeah. night playing. So Good job. let's move on to Lucian's favorite part of our show, Bardic Inspiration. Da, 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 da. Um, so I had a pretty good one this week. I, I saw yours in there, um, which was sounded very cool. Hells yeah. Let's let's let you run with it. Tell me about your Bardic Inspiration this week. Oh, man. So how did this I, happen? This is actually something that I've been thinking about for uh, longer, but I was going I have a folder on my computer called mm-hmm. Inspiration. And it's literally cool pieces of art that I look at and I'm like, could I make a campaign or a character based around what is going on in this picture? And I found uh, some some artist, and I feel bad, I don't really know the artist, mm-hmm. but uh, they were floating around the internet of Zodiac Monsters. Um, and I will, uh, I'll put this in, I uploaded them to Imager today, uh, not publicly, so if you have this link, you can see it. But if you don't have this link, uh, you can't see it. Um, but they are uh, uh, monsters from the, the the Zodiac, like our Zodiac, Aquarius and Scorpio, Scorpio and things like that. Um, but like envisioned like as monsters. And mm-hmm. so I wanted like I do a whole campaign where not only do you have your regular uh, character, but you have the star you were born under. So you would roll a D14 or 12 or however many Zodiacs there are. I'm not really sure. And uh, then it's like, oh, I was born a Scorpio. And then the campaign would be go out and either defeat these monsters or or make packs with them or something like that to defeat a, a, a bigger evil. But when you are born under the star of Scorpio, maybe in the land of Scorpio, you have like a plus four to everything because you're like attuned with it. But on the opposite side of that wheel, you would have a minus four, but your other party member would have a plus four. And so, I don't know, I kind of, it could be a really fun long running campaign of you have to go to these 12 different spots and defeat these 12 monsters to get some kind of power uh, to then defeat the evil overlord or something. Wow, when you said the first sentence of that whole thing, let me tell you where my brain had went. I looked at the pictures and I went, he's going to say, this is what he's about to say, these creatures are your battle form. So oh. when you go into battle, you transform into these giant creatures and you fight other giant creatures I was in these forms. That. I'm like, that'd be cool. This though. is the game I want. <laughs> no, I like and the you, idea of them. Being it in another monsters. Area. I was it's like, oh, no. I like really cool art though. So if you, I put yeah. it in a chat or I put a link in the, um, in the YouTube chat. So you should definitely check that out. But, I like the idea, or they could be like two story mega bosses. And yeah. like you said, the campaign is is around defeating these 
12 different raging 50 foot tall creatures yeah. that is just wrecking the world and you've trying to take on and stop the devastation maybe it's every year different and has uh, different abilities yeah maybe every yeah. year another one wakes up because the oh, stars are like aligned it. and you have exactly one year to destroy that one before the next one arises otherwise you're going to have two to fight yeah. um and i i think that would be really cool too kind of shadow of colossus style where like the mm -hmm. whole campaign is how do we climb this creature? How do we? And if five know. of them come together in one area, they form Voltron. Voltron, and yeah, then it's that's done. How that works. That's, that's exactly. <laughs> no, I how love that the, works. I love those pictures. They are very evocative. Who's the artist on that? Does that uh, like I said? I'm not sure. Uh, I found them randomly a long time ago, and whenever I want to be inspired. I kind of mm -hmm. go through my. I should actually share. I personally with you. I should share this folder because I don't yeah. want to like go distributing a bunch of art I don't own, but. Um, uh, a lot of cool pictures in there where I'm like, oh my gosh, like a tiefling on the desert with a sword. I mm. want to be like a sand wizard tiefling that, yeah. you know, and I don't know. I just get all these really cool ideas. So yeah, uh, I'll do that too. Sometimes when I'm thinking about what character I'm going to build for a campaign that's coming up, instead of thinking about the mechanics I want to play, I'll scroll through just generic D and D character concept art is and oh, that's yeah. about as much as I'll put in. And then I'll just scroll page after page until something catches my eye, usually yeah. from like, um, um, somebody's, um, conceptopolis or, you know, that, those type of, I'm just like, Oh, wait a minute. Look at this guy, this guy, it's a minotaur. This is so cool. Yeah. <laughs> you know, or whatever. And then no, looking at my inspiration folder right now, I forgot about some of these, but I have, uh, uh a bunch of art, called Nordic Harry Potter, where somebody took the characters of Harry Potter, but envisioned them via Norse mythology. And so I was like, well, I don't know, like you could build some kind of a cool character around that. And I've got like angels and stuff. Potter. Like I had a bunch of angels that um, I wanted to use these various angels uh, because like there aren't named, there aren't a lot of named angels in uh, the Wizards of the Coast D&D &D canon. Um, they are creatures, yeah, they're there, but like they, we don't have, and so I like that I could be like, oh, this is the angel of memory or this is the angel of undoing or the angel of this and I don't know, angel mm. of death. And you could have all these angel cool, mercy. like more more of a connection for a warlock, a celestial warlock, you know, so. Very cool. Anyway, it's a, it's a you should all get a, a, a poster that makes you, oh. or a, a folder of art that inspires you. And that is my uh, my inspiration. Uh, go ahead, Mr. Lucian. What, Mine what is, is, is an interesting reminder to myself, and hopefully I can and have people um, think about it in this way also, is that um, I had a very mundane idea that turned into a really fun research project that then made me think, wait, how do I put this in a fantasy world? And the idea was, is I wanted to run an adventure, which I'll, we might get to a little bit later in the show, for my dwarf character who is a player who's playing a dwarf and one of the, his goals, his long-term goals is he wanted to create a mine. And so we've kind of just been putting it off and putting it off because we're doing adventure stuff. But I was like, you know what, let's run something where he's got some information. He can go up and look at these different places in the mountains and he might find a couple of mm -hmm. spots that are pretty good. So in my mind, as I'm building the adventure, I'm thinking, okay, well, I don't want it to be crazy. So I don't just want to drop like a gold mine on him right away or anything. We'll, mm -hmm. we'll say, okay, he goes in the mine and, the, and he has four spots. One of them is a copper mine. 
And he's like, oh, he was really excited about that because that's what he was thinking, you know, like a cool copper mine. He could start a whole thing and his brain was gone. I was like, but I want to have a second one to give him another option, give him something. And I just decided to look at different ores that are out here in the world because I'm like, well, what's different besides copper, silver and gold was the only thing coming to my mind. And then I was like, well, we could go gem, some type of gem mine, right? You could do a diamond mine or a mm-hmm. ruby mine or something like that. And I was like, well, let me look at lists of ores. And I'm just looking and I come across cinnabar. I'm like, what is this? And I'm like, it's and an island in Pokemon. Down, yeah, this leads me down this really cool concept of taking something mundane. Well, cinnabar is like this crushed crystal that is very red in nature. And what they used to use it in the old days is they could crush it and it makes a really vibrant red color. Something very hard to get in the world without using a dye to do this, to get the really good reds. Like before manufacturing is going on, you have to find the colors you want in the world. Well, cinnabar ore had, you could crush it and turn it into this really good dye. And that was a, a, a commodity that the Romans would trade or you know, ancient China would trade or Persia would trade. And it was really cool. And I thought, oh, okay. But cinnabar also is the main ore that when you process it, you can get quicksilver from, also known as mercury. Mm. And I thought, oh, the mercury metal, how cool would that be? And then my brain, this is where the bardic inspiration jumped in. What does quicksilver and what does mercury do in a fantasy world? And how does it work? Do they put it in weapons and armor? It's poisonous but wait a minute, dwarves are immune to poison. So maybe they're not. So maybe they do use it in their cups and plates and whatever other stuff it is. So it made me jump on this huge thing. I thought, okay, I'm going to use this cinnabar ore. So now my, my player has to decide, does he want to try to mine the cinnabar? Or does he want to go after the copper? And what are the uses of the cinnabar ore? And I thought this is such a cool thing because now me and him can go back and forth about how do you want to try to use this material in a fantasy way and find really cool exports for it or find cool ways to use it. Because like we could use mercury in um, gnomish technology because the gnomes are building things that have arcing, you know, electricity and, mm-hmm. and uh, mercury is really good for that. Um, or could you use stuff that's, he could make bowls out of it. And if anybody else ate out of it, they would be poisoned, but he wouldn't from the mercury poison because the dwarf mm-hmm. doesn't get poisoned. So I just thought this was a really cool idea to pick something super mundane that's in the real world and then push it into the fantasy world and see how it works. So my bardic inspiration was finding something mundane. And in this case, it was just ore and a different ore that my player could use. They can use the crystals and maybe turn that into jewelry of some sort. Maybe they can turn the, I was wondering if you could turn mercury into a metal that could be made into like a sword or a dagger or something. But how would that work? Because we only know about mercury and thermometers and stuff, right? And barometers and things. So, well, it's, really I mean, it's liquid. So, but you That's could certain, magically do all kinds of interesting right. stuff with mercury. It's liquid so. under pressure and at certain temperatures, but then it's solid at other yeah. temperatures and pressures. So, yeah, could you play around with that? in a fantasy world. So I thought that was kind of cool. Uh, Scott in chat says, there is a History Channel documentary on Cinnabar called Silver Supernova. And I did a quick Google search and I think it's on YouTube. So that's something you should watch. Is yeah, that. I will. And that was, the, that was the second part of the Bardic Inspiration. That making me look it up so how we could fit it into a game. I just sat for two, probably the last two days reading up about the real Cinnabar ore and how it was mined and how, what they did with it in history. And I learned something about my real world while picking something to go in my fantasy world. And I just felt really cool and energetic about learning something new and, and taking something I didn't know 
and mixing my two worlds together, my real world that I live in and my fantasy world that I'm building for my players. Mm-hmm. And I have something that bridges the gap and, and has uses in both and, and new knowledge. I had new knowledge of what Cinnabar is, how it's processed and how could I use it in a fantasy world? So I just thought it was really cool. So yeah, that's fun. I yeah. Like, that uh, was my bardic it's a, uh, it, it causes like, uh, uh, the endorphins are going for sure. There's chemical <laughs> reactions in my brain that are making me feel good about it. it ca- Mercury causes um, like insanity. And that's why we yeah. get the mad hatter because people who made hats, haberdashers, they used to mold the brim of hats in a vat of mercury because it helped for some reason. Yeah. And they would get mercury poisoning and go crazy. And the old prospector, like the crazy old prospector, that yeah. stereotype exists because they use mercury to uh, get the gold out of rocks or something. So, yeah, it can be used uh, to but I like the idea that the dwarves are immune to it. So they've been using mercury for a long time, but like, yeah. yeah it's and what if your adventure is about the Mad Hatter Guild in Waterdeep and all of these people that are wearing these hats are going mad, but your players, your players might not even know that in the real life. Like Jordan knows that in the real life. So he, he might pick up on it, but mm-hmm. imagine you have four players that have no idea that this is a real thing and you've just put them on the mystery of a real thing in a fantasy world so that they can discover this was a real thing. Mm-hmm. This was a true Mad Hatter's thing was a cool thing. So I loved it. That was, that just made me so excited this week. Just that's working cool on that. Yeah. And then, and then we played on Friday night and it all came to fruition and it worked out perfectly. They found the Cinnabar mine. They found the copper mine. It was really good. So I might watch a Cinnabar documentary okay. today. That sounds really fun. It's, it was weird to pick up something new like that. Just, <laughs> it is. you know, it's it really fun. So that was mine. Um, we get on to what we did in D and D we got plenty of time, but usually I use it up cause I talk way too much. So let's, let's hear about rod of seven parts. Let's hear about this dark souls game. Yeah. Let's hear what you got. Um, yeah. So, uh, last week I wasn't able last, last Sunday was Easter. So I didn't do a stream on prep prepping my game. Um, but uh, uh, my party uh, of Route of Seven Parts, they went to the Undercity, which is also called the Elder City, um, a real thing in the Forgotten Realms that is beneath Baldur's Gate. Um, and they recklessly kind of went into danger and ran into a lot of problems and a lot of fights here and there. Uh, and by the time they got to this Temple of Ball that is underneath uh, Baldur's Gate, they were mm-hmm. so beat up, they're like, we need to take a long rest. And they missed out on a lot of things that I prepped, and now I'm I'm juggling. Do I, I because in my, I'm juggling whether to keep the encounters I had prepped in the temple the same, uh, because the fact that they slept for eight hours means things that those changed. people that were there are probably not there anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so join me tomorrow at 9 a.m. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pacific on my YouTube channel, and we're gonna we're gonna hammer out that detail, try to figure out what's going on with this Temple of Baal. Uh, but they're having a lot of fun, it's really cool. Um, I'm playing this Dark Souls D&D game, that's the weird and wild game, uh, where my we were in a crypt, and my fighter ended up making a pact with this undead lich creature, and mm-hmm. now I'm going to ha- be able to take uh, warlock levels. So multi-class into warlock, and we're still trying to figure out if I can like, erase fighter levels and and convert those to warlock or if i have to be this level four fighter going on further and i'm fine with either it's kind of creative and interesting and it makes you whenever you put restrictions like that like a lot of people might get upset but i like to think of it as well 
that how can I be creative with my play style using those restrictions, you know? Mm -hmm. And so uh, I'm like, if I have to be a level four fighter, what do I do to like make my character more interesting and stuff? So uh, yeah, it's it's a unique, different game. The the DM's really excited about the world that he's creating. He's a big Dark Souls, Bloodborne mm -hmm. fan, and so it's it's coming across really awesome. Um, I'm playing my Wild Mount game, uh, which this is I thought was interesting. Is we found uh, we were hired to find this object um, that will influence the war between the two factions in Wildmount. And we found it and it's a cube. And me being the wizard, I like cast identify and tried to figure out what it is. It has a devilish writing on it. And we found out that if you attune to it and activate it, it removes all of the air in a mile radius. So smuggling this into the enemy's city and activating it will kill a lot of people. Like we found a weapon of mass destruction and we spent a long time being like, what do we do with it? And, and somebody was like, well, we need to destroy it. And uh, we're like, how do we destroy it? We don't know. Oh, and they're like, we need to bury it. We need to do all this other stuff. We can't give it to people because think of how many innocent people are gonna die. Um, they ended up finding us trying to like hide it. And now uh, I've convinced them to be on the council of studying it to see if, and so I'm gonna try and influence it to try and destroy it, but I, I have a feeling someone's gonna try and steal it. Um, but I've never, I've never played a game like this where we have a mm -hmm. object that could kill like hundreds of thousands of people. Uh, it's kind of interesting, so. That's murder hoboing at a whole nother level. Yeah, yeah. At that point. <laughs> I was like, we need to figure out how to get rid of this. Um, yeah. So that's kind of fun. And the DM was like, I don't know what you guys are gonna do. And he, he's really curious about our decisions going forward, so. Um, I think I'll be playing that one tonight. I'm really excited. That that's my uh, my tiefling conjuration wizard that I'm having oh yeah oh so much fun with, um, because mm -hmm. part of being a conjuration wizard is you can summon just about anything you've seen that is in a three foot cube. So I'm I'm constantly like oh deck of cards. I'm like oh did you want a hammer? And like I just play it up because I think it's fun that I can just like summon these things for you know and they're not like I can't summon a sword and if you attack with it it disappears but uh, it's fun and then uh, last Sunday I ran a Dungeon Crawl Classics RPG zero level funnel for my friends here in town over Google Hangouts and uh, how many did you kill I That's killed let's see we had uh, sixteen I killed about eleven eleven and uh, characters. So yeah, a good fun. Um, everybody, everybody, everybody had one character left except one player had two characters left, and yeah. But uh, funnels are always they're fun. They're just kind of silly. It was a it was a, a module called the Hole in the Sky that I had ran before, so I was familiar with it. And now they all have level one characters that they're like, well, can we play again? And I'm like, yeah, we can. So it might be like a once a month, maybe once every two weeks we get together and do that. So what prompted you to out of the blue run that? Oh, because well, I've been, been reading Lankmar and I got ah. my Perils of the Purple Planet and I've been wanting to play these uh, DCC games. And I know that the people that were interested in playing with me, they, they played in a Dungeon Call Classics game earlier and really liked it. So cool. I was like, I contacted all those people and made a fun Facebook group, and I'm like, let's play DCC. So very cool. Yeah, and that's what I did in games. It was a lot. It was a lot, it was a fun week. So, <laughs> boy, I had a pretty busy week. Even with uh, a Monday game rescheduled, had a couple people couldn't make it. Uh, should be back around Monday, which is the Savage Worlds game, 
and we'll get back to the X crawl versions of Savage World, so very shadow punkish style. Mm-hmm. Um, I got a what's called a character advancement, so I have to figure out what I'm going to do with my character advancement. Um, and in that one, it's more like you can update a skill, you can update an attribute, you can change, uh, you can add an edge, you can add. So there's a lot of variety to. It's not just like when you go to the DMG and it says third level here's your stuff, write it down. It's like, here's all your options. What, what yeah. do you want to do with this thing? You know? Um, so it's definitely a little bit more in depth when you're, when you're advancing your character. So I still have to figure out what I want to do with that. Um, so that should be on the Monday night game, but Wednesday night, we're still playing uh, Waterdeep Dragon Heist smashed together with Acquisitions Incorporated. And we had this really fun time. Uh, if you recall, I removed my Cavalier, who was, I was playing as a really good straight shooter, straight cop kind of character, and it wasn't fitting in with the scoundrels of my party. And I thought, mm-hmm. as fun as it is that we have this friction, and as much fun as it was for everybody to go back and forth about, I'm a good guy, you're a bad guy, um, I didn't think I wanted to do it for a very long campaign. A couple of sessions would have been cool, but not like for a year-long campaign where it's me having friction with the entire party the whole time. So I was like... So I asked my dungeon master, can I change a character out? I think it'd be more fun. And so we started talking about, well, how's this character get introduced? Well, when he gets introduced, I I create this bugbear gloom stalker uh, who's going to join the party. And we're like, he's like, so how how does he get introduced to the party? I'm like, this is perfect. I show up with a letter with the Ack Inc. headquarters letterhead on it. Mm -hmm. And it says, um, being um, re- when you get moved from one office to another, there's a word for it. Uh, re restructure, reorder, re- paradigm shift. Uh, yeah, yeah. So like, right, reassigned or, yeah. or you've been moved. So it, it has reassigned to or something. Yeah, yeah, transfer to Willowbrook, but then it has a line through it, and then it says transfer to Silvery Moon franchise, and then it has a line through it, and then it has transfer to Waterdeep. This one is like this is the third place, and it just says at the bottom, not a team player. That's the <laughs> note he gives to the thing. So the, it was this idea that they couldn't find a good fit for him in one of the franchises before. This is the third one he's been to. And so he comes in and he just starts interacting with the characters. He doesn't take any crap. He's a big giant bugbear. Nice. Um, that does some just real cool stuff. And it just really worked out really fun. And everybody's having a good time with how the characters and immediately we're right into a murder hobo session that night. We're burning buildings down. We're mm-hmm. chasing characters that we think have wronged us. We don't even know if they've wronged us, but one person thinks they might've wronged us. So that means we should burn their entire corporation down. So it's been really funny how that's all come about. And it's been a really fun session with our Australia dungeon master. Who's done a great job. Nice. And that's, so that's super fun. Um, I can't wait to see where I can take the gloom stalker. He's going to be perfectly aligned for going into dungeon of the mad mage. Oh yeah. Being able to dark vision at 90 feet, um, dark vision, he's invisible for those who rely on dark vision to see, mm-hmm. which I think is a cool thing. And then he has the bugbear am- ambusher thing where if on the first turn I attack, then you can get some extra damage or you can get an additional attack. So there's some cool like burst damage up front to play. So really fun kind of character to dive into. The thing I have to figure out is like you, you like to multi-class. Do I start to multi-class at some point and get into more thief stuff or maybe like a shadow sorcerer? Right multi-class at some point to really add some of that stuff in. I, think kind of cool. I i will point out i don't actually like to multi-class oh i i, I really enjoy so <laughs> the pure classes but uh this dark souls game is about multi-classing ah, so yeah 
okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, I no, I, whenever I play, I always want to be like, like I, I feel, um, I don't know. Like I, I just, uh, I, I always feel like I want to be the stronger wizard or the stronger thief. And I mm-hmm. get to do that by taking more levels in that thing. Um, yeah. rather than being like, well, I've got this, like, I don't know, this cleric ability, but I can't do anything with it. So I don't know. Uh, that's how I always feel. But, uh, specifically this, I'm going fighter warlock because of we're, we're playing around with this idea of multi-classing and, and having like a little bit of magic, but not a lot. So I think yeah, the barbarian is going to multi-class into a druid. So yeah, I've rarely multi-classed ever. And I think the only time it comes up is when somebody asks you to, Hey, we're going to play an adventure. Why don't you build a 10th level character? to be in this adventure. And then that thing kind of starts rolling around in my mind. But when I'm playing it from one to whatever, I'm like, like you just said, straight class. I'm like, just keep giving me more levels of this. Keep giving me more levels of this. So I haven't actually done it, but I keep thinking about it. Mm. So it's easier when it's level 10, because uh, there are, there are those key levels like multi-attack at level five or extra attack, I should say. And uh, things like that that if you multi-class, it's like, well, this character wouldn't really be fun to play from level four to eight, but at level nine, it all synergizes and works really well. So it's kind yeah. of fun to be like, oh yeah, like if we're gonna play a level 10 car- uh, level ten campaign, then I can, mm-hmm. I'll, I, I, I would consider multi-class more at that yeah, point. Play around. So. Yeah, yeah, I'm with Cause then you could get an idea going rather than, there are those painful levels where everyone's doing like, lots of damage and you're still just like, yeah. I swing once. Ah. And that's what I'm, <laughs> I'm actually have that conundrum right now with my fighter warlock because I'm level four fighter level one warlock. I really think I need to take one more level of fighter for extra you attack. You gotta get the extra attack. Uh, yeah. Because otherwise I'll just be useless until level nine when I can get it as a, uh, as a warlock. So, All right. yeah. Very interesting. Um, so from last week, well, during last week, uh, I got a lot of teasing from Jordan about uh, a meme where if somebody asks about, hey, I want to play D&D for the first time online, what do I do? And I jump on it immediately and try to run that game for them, which is true. And so we did that last week where somebody came in and they said, hey, I want to play D&D. And we tried to set something up, but it fell through. But the, the silver lining of that was is I was so amped up that I wanted to run a game that I just threw together a game for my regular group that said, hey, you guys want to play on Friday? They're like, I got four of them together. That was enough for me to, to run with it and say, let's play this adventure. So awesome. we did a Seeking Revenor adventure, which I talked about with the dwarf going to find the mine. Um, and then the next thing, it, it made me really um, jump into what I want to do next. And I don't know what the actual schedule is going to be, but I'm going to check with the players. Mm-hmm. Is we have Drubrin, who is... Um, a character that is chasing an artifact across the ocean back towards Waterdeep. And I thought, well, we could do a side adventure with him and his character line. And I would have the players build characters that fit to help him until he does the thing and comes back. And then they could play their normal characters back at Seeking Revenor. So it gives them a chance to, to create some just fun characters for a couple of adventures and goof around with something new. And then we come back and we can continue on where we're going with our normal storyline just to give everybody a fresh look at, you know, playing the game. And so that was, that seemed really fun. It had me excited for running a game again and everybody had a great time played till two in the morning, which was super fun. And then Sunday we're going to last Sunday, like you said, I got to play Starfinder that night 
And we got to Absalon Station, which a lot of you, if you've heard of Starfinder, will have heard of that name. Welcome to Absalon Station. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, we got in a fight immediately with gangs from the station, and we got to learn a little bit about the mechanics. Um, The Pathfinder mechanics are similar to D&D, but different enough that you feel like you're learning something different. You can't just say, I know D&D, so that makes it easy for me to go into Pathfinder, because that's not necessarily the vibe I've been getting. It's kind of its own combat thing that's going on and what you can do with actions and movements and bonus yeah. actions and things and how you're actually thinking about that because i got the second edition pathfinder core book and i was i was like i should read that today like because mm-hmm. i bought it and i flipped through it and i'm like that's cool but i was like i i don't know one of my patrons really loves pathfinder and he's been going on and on about it and i was like i i want to find somebody to run pathfinder for me so lucian if you want to run a starfinder pathfinder oh. game yeah. Just, a, just like, like a three-week thing. That's, you know, three sessions. Yeah. I can get you in one. Uh, well, in playing this, the, the the Dungeon Master that's running, he's brand new. He's never ran a game of it before. He was nervous because he's like, well, I don't know the rules, so I don't know if I want to run the game. And, we, and I kept telling him and the other players kept telling him, don't worry about it. We'll learn the rules together. Yeah. We're not just going to be like, hey, what's the rule, and be mad at you because you don't know it. Let's try to play it together, and we'll just see how this works so everybody gets in it. And he's like, okay, that makes it easier for him to say, okay, I'll run the game, even though he's not real confident in the in the uh, rules. Now, playing this, and he says, maybe I want to do a few sessions, and I want to, you know, I want to sit back and s- absorb what happened, and if I like still running games or if I like playing more or running them more or whatever, I think he's in that stage where he's trying to figure out what he likes better. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, if you don't run this and everybody's having fun with the sci-fi stuff, I want to run. I could use the same rules or a modified set of the rules. And I want to run XCOM universe. Okay. Have you seen the new XCOM? So have you played XCOM or XCOM two? No. Oh, there's a new one coming out called Phoenix command. So these are these like um, clandestine groups that have been created to fight off an alien invasion that's taking over the planet. You should see on Steam. Go look at the videos. It's a very tactical moving around game and really fun kind of style of sci-fi game where you're trying to stop the invasion of aliens to our world and they're going to take it over. And I thought, oh, gosh, aliens always want our world. I know we have such a good world. Why wouldn't they want it? Um, so now I want to run that. And then it got me into thinking, like you had posted earlier, I want to create my own system or I want to create yeah. this own thing. Or, That's something I went we didn't even talk about, but I've been working on that too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we didn't even get to that. So long story short, I know uh, Jordan doesn't like to go too long on our show. There was so TikTok. much happening. I can't even get to all of it. Um, maybe we'll put some more of it in our show notes next week if we're late. Yeah. But uh, it's been a great week of creativity, of playing, of getting together with friends online, obviously, and playing these games and fantasizing about our characters and where our worlds are going. Mm. And I just had a really fun week, even though I was still stir crazy the whole time because I couldn't really go anywhere yet yeah. as it still wears on me. But that is all I had, Jordan. I think I'm ready for you to take us away. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> thank you so much. Uh, again, we love those uh, iTunes reviews. We love uh, yes. Spotify reviews. Wherever you listen to this, Reviewing us is great. If you watch it on YouTube, uh, a like and a comment and telling your friends to subscribe is always wonderful. Uh, Thank you again, everybody on YouTube and everybody on uh, uh, Twitch that are watching us live Saturdays at 9 a.m. Tell us about your Zodiac monster that refines ore. 
mm-hmm. in some kind Your of bardic game. inspiration. We would love to hear all about that. Uh, you guys are wonderful, and we will mm-hmm. be back next week uh, with another episode of uh, Saturday Morning D&D Show. Check out Cyclops Con and, and actually watch all of the really fun games that are on uh, uh, Twitch and YouTube right now. Lots of really cool stuff if you're interested in non-D&D RPGs. You can learn a lot. It's really cool. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Our intro and outro music is 8-Bit March by Twin Musicom, licensed under Creative Commons. Check out their website at www.twinmusicom.org.